This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Uh, we're honored today because this is the first time ever for a TV show we had the perspective of getting the script to the screen from the writers, directors, producers, actors, and the President of the United States. Uh, you know, this is a truly collaborative show. It's won 12 Emmys, been nominated 42 times in eight different categories. So the show, obviously, across the board is very well received. But why don't we just get our stars out? So please welcome to the Apollo Theater stage, Julie Louis-Dreyfus, Tony Hale, and David Mendel. Thank you. Hello. Yep. David. Space. Yeah, uh, uh, speaking of space, it was one of the funnest things I've done in a very long time is standing with the three of you watching the end and your reactions to especially the other actors on stage and their scenes. How is it for you? Because obviously. Well, it's because it's the first time we've seen the other actors' performance because we're only focused yeah, on our please. own performance. Oh. <laughs> so, right? Yeah. And it was okay. Yeah, it was okay. <laughs> but, you know, obviously, Veep is shown on TV. Uh, how was it being able to actually let a community audience see it? Because that's the dream for us. Anytime the show is screened for a group, I love to <clears throat> listen to it because it's a single camera show and we don't have the, the delicious opportunity to get response you know, from an audience, which is something we crave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice to see where the, the laughs fall, you know? Yeah. So, um, okay, I, I want to ease in the Q&A before we dive in. Uh, and I'm a little nervous asking this question because my last name is Ryan. But mm. how low in level of depravity will you ever go for Ryan, Joan and Ryan insults? <laughs> We've gone pretty low. <laughs> we'll go as low as humanly possible. Yeah, yeah we're working on some new machinery to help us dig deeper. <laughs> Diamond-tipped drills yeah. that'll help us achieve new levels of lowness. Yeah. yeah. I think the worst, he, uh, Tim says the worst when he was called, but was, you just have an odd shape. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, it doesn't it, sound awful, it but it is awful. really <laughs> awful. Yeah. I think it hurt his feelings personally. <laughs> yeah. He has a lovely shape. You know, <laughs> lovely shape. Lovely. All right, so let's go back to the beginning. I mean, Julie, you came from network television. Yep. What was it about the Selena Meyer character that made you want to jump from network to this new HBO model? Um, well, I didn't want to do network TV anymore. I was, had done plenty of it, and it had been good to me, and it was fun, but I wanted to shake it up. And what appealed to me was the actual very s- seemingly simple concept, which was a female vice president who was um, profoundly unhappy and bitter. <laughs> and I thought, that is sign me up. That has just uh, never been done, and I need to do that. So um, <clears throat> I, I signed up for this show before there was actually a script, just the idea. Um, I met with Armando Inucci, who created it um, back in whatever that year was. Yeah. What year was that? 2010. Something. Yeah. And uh, we met and got along, and then, you know, off we went. Uh, and it must be fair, because obviously HBO doesn't have any restraints. You can curse, you can go anywhere you want to go that normally network TV would not allow you to do. Yes, well, there's much more creative freedom there, for sure. Yeah. I mean, they have opinions, and they offer, uh, 
you know, if they disagree with you about something creatively, they certainly won't hold back but to letting you know that. But the difference is, is that they are very, I have to say, at least in my experience, and you can speak to this too, Dave, but I mean, I, I think that they're very respectful of the creative process. They hire people, uh, <coughs> writers, and, and, and actors to sort of do their thing, and they kind of let them be for the most part. And so then when they do have a comment about something, it's usually worth listening to because they're, there's mutual respect built into the, to the process in a way that I've never experienced elsewhere. Yeah, I think these days the current state of network television seems to be that they go out of their way to sort of hire people, and often very good people, yes. and then tell them how to do their job. And tell them what's funny. Like, I'm, we're going to hire the funniest person we can find, and then tell them that we think something is or isn't funny, which is just sort of, you know, backwards, basically. Mm -hmm. That being said, I will simply say, and I, I completely agree in terms of when HBO has notes, they're very valid. Often, even if you don't agree, they're happy to have the discussion of why you don't agree, and that's that, which is a, you know, just that mutual respect level is amazing. The other thing I was going to add, though, with, in terms of the no limits is you do have to create your own limits, though, I think, a little bit. And one thing we always talk about, and it always gets a little bit of a, it sounds like a joke, but it's true, but we always talk about, like, watching the f yes. which is to say <laughs> in, a, in an episode, you know, it's very easy just to go, that f guy, and that fucking thing, and that fucking that. And that, and then all of a sudden, before you realize it, there's ten f**ks in a scene. But when, so that when you then get to the, for lack of a better word, the the well-crafted joke, <laughs> it, it, it loses its impact and power because you've you've wasted it. You've sort of on all these other sort of random ones. Um, and so, I do think limits are very important to sort of creating something that, that it shouldn't be seen as limitless because I think Correct, yeah. in other areas of things, limitless just add, leads to sort of bad product, I guess. Yeah. So, Tony, let's go back to the, the pilot. Uh, what was your initial reaction to Gary Walsh's character? And did you want something like, I want to work with the writers to kind of change him or evolve him a little more? Or? Uh, it's weird to even think back. I don't even know how he started. But, I mean, it's, I, I saw the script. I, I saw Armando's work. I mean, Julia was attached, and I was a fan of hers. Um, and I don't know, it was, I just liked the idea of <laughs> the shame that was brought on. I can just see her, like, doing that shame very well. <laughs> and then me just kind of trying to make her happy all the time. But, um, and also it was just shot, I don't know if any of you have seen The Thick of It or In the Loop, the, uh, the previous work that Armando had done. It just had this uh, incredibly gritty, honest thing to it. And I was, it was just, it, was, it looked like a joy, so... I remember we were, I was auditioning and just meeting Julia, and I was like, that would be really fun. Well, we, I have to say, just to sing Tony's praises for a minute, he was... Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> when That's why he, he showed up. Yes. <laughs> Here <it comes. laughs> He was so... Um, we con uh, connected uh, immediately in the audition process, and I felt so strongly that we had to get Tony Hill on this show. I felt like if we could get Tony, we would have a show. Not that we didn't have a show without him, but we really, I felt like we would go to the next level. And, I, and there was a conflict, and I 
-hmm. We don't have to go into the details, but there was an issue that we had to, I remember calling HBO Brass and saying, we've got to pull out all the stops to make this work with the other studio because we have got to get this man on our show. So uh, fortunately, it worked really out. That's really nice. True. I start crying right now. <laughs> um, but it, the thing that I so uh, appreciate, and I've said this many times before, was the, the trust that I feel like the, the cast has with each other. Yeah. Because there's many times that I've, I've been on other jobs where you'll put out an idea, and even if, even if you're not sure about the idea, you just kind of put it out there, and there's a support that you have here. That's, like that you're not wearing that socks I'm not right wearing now? Socks. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a lot of emotional support. <laughs> a lot of judgmental support. <laughs> My wife <laughs> questioned this. <laughs> and now I think she's right. <laughs> um, but, um, but there is like, there is a, no, that's all I'm going to be thinking about. There, there is a dance that you, you, you play with, with comedy and it's like, yeah. and, and many times when you go, some, and you also say like, something's not working, something's not working. And what you don't want to hear is many times people are like, I, I think it's working. I think it's, I, think it's, I think it's good. And it might be good, but to have on this team have somebody go, I totally hear you. Let's keep playing. Let's find that rhythm. Let's find that sweet spot. And, mm -hmm. the, and when you find it, everybody's like, oh, got it. Yeah. You know, so that's, I'm thankful for that. So, David, you jump on in season five uh, in the middle of an electoral tie. That's kind of the most pivotal story moments in the show. What was the impetus of wanting to jump on? Um, well, first of all, let me say I'm also not wearing socks. <laughs> By the way, I'm also not wearing socks. <laughs> Until about five minutes ago, I was wearing Don't shorts. Don't try to make me feel better. <laughs> anyway, um, I mean, I was a fan of the show. I was, I was at home watching. It was a show that... Uh, in a world where, like, my wife and I don't watch a lot of shows together. It was one of our shows that we were watching. So I was a fan. Um, uh, Julie and I had worked together a gazillion years ago, um, and I was a fan. Um, so I was watching, and, uh, and obviously in a million years never sort of expected the phone call. Um, but when I first sort of sat down and, you know, Julie sort of took me through the story, and then, ultimately, and then later I got to read scripts and see where they were episode-wise. But some of it was, I mean, beyond the, oh, sure, you know, obviously it's a great show and all that, but it was the Electoral College tie as much as probably anything else. I, I'm a, uh, a lapsed government major, and I was sort of fascinated by that concept. I'd read about that sort of theory, at least, and I was really excited sort of in the script how they found their way to it. And really, it was that idea alone that even before I sort of realized I was going to take the job or not take the job after we had sort of sat together... I started to be, just be thinking about how to solve that, and then at some point I realized, oh, I guess I have to take the job because I, I want to solve that problem. <laughs> if you're really, I mean, obviously, so what did you want from season five? Because uh, you're starting, you gained power being president, you know, but now you know you're, you're losing it. Was that something interesting for you, knowing that Selena would, by the end of the season, lose her power? Yeah, well, when Dave and I <clears throat> got together, we pretty quickly... He said, well, what do you think? And I said, well, she can't win. <laughs> I mean, and he felt the same way. I mean, uh, uh, failure is our friend on the show. And, uh, <laughs> we love it. <laughs> we love it. It works well. So uh, success can work, but only um, very... Uh, I think when Selena has success on the show, it's great, the sort of small successes. We always yes. talk about the fact that, like, even though she has a bunch of idiots working for her, and even though she sort of... Fails a lot. <laughs> At the same time, you have to remember, sort of, in the show that you've never seen, which is the 
however many years of her as a congresswoman and then a senator and then somebody who was able to run for presidency, which failed but allowed her to be put on the ticket as vice president. That doesn't just happen. That's not random. Right. And so we're always very aware that she's a hell of a political street fighter and that somewhere in her power hungriness and survival instincts, she can be quite vicious and sort of good that way. And so we always do like those little victories within the show along with the failure. But that all being said, yeah. I think we sort of really did agree. And I, I know it was on my mind, which was the thing she wants most in the world is to be president. And obviously she was president, but really to be elected forthrightly to her own presidency so that she wouldn't be an asterisk. And by taking that away and making her an asterisk, it would be sort of really wonderful that just that pile of sewage would be something <laughs> fun to watch her swim through. And so that honestly, we didn't quite know when we were going to get to it, but from our earliest meetings, we sort of talked about her losing, then kind of figured out what's the best thing for her to lose to, another woman. That's kind of how we got to Montez, that it would drive her crazy to have sort of this other woman eat her lunch, and that the show would then transform into former President of the United States. And when we first sat down, we weren't quite sure whether, is that one season? Is it two seasons? It turned out, obviously, now to be into the second season. But that has been the plan. Or, and or, one of the yeah. best running gags is, how the other woman, Montez, is seen as the first female president. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, uh, hello. Uh, obviously, with Selena under a lot of stress, Gary's relationship is a little amped up with her. How did you see, for you, Tony, how do you see it during season five? Because she's becoming more desperate, but it also affects you because your character is so tied to her. Yeah, I'm trying to remember season five. Um, it was funny. It was. <laughs> well, you know, I remember... People it, liked it. Yeah. No, it ended with your great explosion protecting Selena Meyer at the oh, end yeah. of the season. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> this is sad that I'm... What's my character's name? Um, <laughs> I think any... The thing is, any time she's in distress, it's, it's only an open imitation for me. Yeah. Because so, what was worse was when she became president and all the security happened and I, I had distance from her. And that is death for my character. <laughs> the fact that I'm not a, near her is just awful. So if she's in pain and I'm drawn close to her, that's fantastic. And uh, so, yeah, it's so, so unhealthy. <laughs> but I can't get enough of it. You mentioned trust earlier. So, so working together, how did you reach a level where you could blow on her pimple in the premiere for five minutes as actors. Because you're, you're very physically close, practically, the whole entire show. Yes, yes. it's tricky. It's a challenge. It's amazing. Because... <laughs> <laughs> different opinions about it. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, we're, the truth is, is that we're, we're probably the biggest fans of the show. So yeah. it's hard for, particularly when we're super close together and he's... <laughs> We're hearing the little noises each other make yeah. and stuff, and it's hard to sort of keep your shit together in those moments. And but, we don't. And we don't. That's true. We don't. The show is really edited well. <laughs> but, um, uh, but but having said that, I I like that there's a, a lot of comedy to be mined and sort of these this. I mean, I'm always assuming he's there, and that's a funny thing. And yeah, it's yeah, fun yeah. to it's like 
two fish swimming in tandem. It's sort of, it's good. It's, it's when you, and also when you're given some of these situations that we've been given and we have to do them so close to each other, like the one that I, comes to immediately <laughs> to my head is when I had to break up with her boyfriend for her. <laughs> <laughs> and she comes, we were in my apartment, I guess the scene was, yeah. and she, <laughs> she comes out to me and she says, I need, I need to ask you something. Of course, I'm like, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. And she has to get in my face and say, I need you to break up with him for, I'm going to leave, but I need you <laughs> to break up with him. And just like, we never got through and we that. never got through it. And it's, of course, my favorite thing to do is watch the gag reel because that's that's the funnest stuff. But like, just to be that close and knowing that you have to not break, it's it's both exciting and fun and just the worst feeling in the world. You know? I've heard rumors that you're the biggest breaker on oh, set. Oh, I am. Yeah, I am. Uh, it's but, shameful. But when you break, does it give you also an opportunity to explore different things, like keep the camera rolling, maybe discover something else? I just look in my bag a lot. <laughs> You can see it. Sometimes we have to just include it. You just yeah. see him sort of start to smile and go like this. Yeah, it's like it's, it's, it's every last frame possible. Yeah. It's like it's like a, if you could stop so it, it's sad. just that kind of one more frame and it would be full on for <laughs> that. But we get out right before. Or I just turn my back. There's a scene coming up, not tomorrow, but next Sunday. Um, I don't know what the episode's call, called, but it's the fourth episode of the season. Where I don't want to I don't want to ruin anything because there's a lot to ruin. But basically, they're eating very close to each other. Oh, He's yeah, yeah. eating very close to her, and it was some of the best outtakes we've ever had. It was <laughs> oh, it filled oh, the gag reel so oh, of Julia watching him eat very close. <laughs> yeah. And I saw so enjoy it next Sunday and think fondly of me telling. I would you. love yeah. for them to release more of like the outtakes. I don't know if they do. I don't think that's going to happen. No. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to recognize, Dave, like how hard these writers work because mm. they start, I guess, in June of last year to start writing. And he's been on the show because we finished in end of February, I guess. And he'll edit until April and then maybe have, I mean, if, God willing, if we he get another season. He gets a weekend season, off. He gets a weekend <laughs> off. And then we start the new season. So he's like writing, shooting, editing. A m- maybe a month off and then doing it again. And that is a lot of work. Yeah, and speaking of the writers in Cleverly, so they, they, they're writing the scripts, how much then changes on set? Or do you, are they with you on set, like, oh my God, I have this great idea, let's try this differently? How does uh, it evolve? We all work, I mean, we, <clears throat> sometimes it changes on set. Uh, sometimes we sort of heap things into it. Uh, sometimes we don't I'm change much. I'm adjusting my pants, by the way. Oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> And sometimes some things don't aren't quite working, so everybody sort of hunkers down. And but we, uh, uh, with Dave at the helm, um, scripts are very well formed by the time mm-hmm. we come to to set. Um, but fortunately, we also have improvisational actors, so it's just nice layers can get. Yeah, I mean, we really, you know, especially in. on big important scenes, we try and get a, a rehearsal in of those right. if, if humanly possible. And a lot of good stuff comes out of that, both comedy, but also sometimes just language, just getting something to sound right. Like even, it's sort of hard to, like, it's not just the comedy, but just like, that feels now, this is more of a real, real. moment. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Which, and, and more realness allows the comedy to thrive. So if the straight lines are right, then the comedy can be funnier. So in a perfect world, we get a rehearsal. We get it, on, then, and then at some point after that, we get it on its feet on the stage, and 
everybody's there, and even on the scenes that are working well, and there are some that work well, yes. um, even on the ones that are working well, we're always trying to sort of thicken the broth. We're always trying to add the extra line, that sort of like the layers of the things that sometimes Selena doesn't even quite hear, which can often be Tony behind her doing something. It can be uh, uh, Sam Richardson as Richard sort of saying something as he wanders away. Just all these <laughs> things kind of on top of each other right. so that... And there is that moment, there is that sort of ah moment where almost like it almost sounds like it's like the mechanism is locking in and all of a sudden it gets that pace that mm -hmm. wasn't there five minutes ago. And that's kind of when you know it's feeling right. There's like the, all of a sudden the pace just ramps up mm -hmm. and I yes. sort of feel like I know this is a scene. And I, right. and I think H, ever, ever since the show started too, they've given us that opportunity to rehearse and kind of futz on on the on uh, set and I, HBO that's a, that's a freedom that HBO has given us that's that's not typically given on network it's very what you have to do but HBO <clears throat> really gave a very long leash to allow us to have all that time to find it do you have a do you have exactly a, a scene that might have been more challenging like one that took a while to really work it till you found it oh gosh a lot of them yeah I mean I, I was gonna say I'm not sure there's any one in particular and it's sort of hard to explain how they come about but I'll give you an example um, everyone has seen the, the, the premiere, the, the season premiere at this point, mostly? Okay. So in that premiere, there's a scene in, uh, in the office where they're sitting together and they're talking. Tony's saying uh, they want you to have your portrait painted. And then, um, and then they call for Richard. He comes in and he gives her an update on the speeches. Now, and again, and what this all goes back to is, it's all about, I think, for me at least, it's all about the outline, which is, if you have the outline right, the jokes can change, but the stories are working, everything structurally is working. So, the good news is, we know what this scene is, we know what we need to sort of, what the in and the out is. But, within that scene, the notion of the artist stuff, the, uh, I think it was, get whoever painted Ambassador Stone's wife and made her look like not a yeah. That's a line that wasn't there when we started the day. And then when he got to talking about the speeches and he said something about the auto unions paying you $100,000, the concept of that's 50% or that's less than what Hughes is, that's what less than what Hughes is getting. But then we all sort of sat together and kind of came up with that stuff. Remind them I'm the first one president, and I will not do this for less than 83 cents on the dollar. <laughs> and then, you know, 87 cents on the dollar. And then added the notion, and tell them I'll stand behind a clear podium and wear a short skirt. All of, again, the <laughs> concepts are there, but all of that stuff came in from different writers, from us just sort of talking about, like, how do we make this better? And all these things kind of come together into the one scene. So again, it's a scene that existed. It wasn't bad what was probably on the page, but just... Joke by joke, it just gets better and more complicated. And right. to have Dave's eye, too, because there's many times we were just in, in New York, and I remember we were shooting a scene, it was an exterior, into this brownstone. And we kind of thought, or at least I felt like we kind of had it, like it felt like a rhythm, and then Dave's came up and was like, it feels too clean. It just, it feels too sitcom-y. It's, it's know? not messy enough. It's not messy enough. Right. And we just don't have that perspective, so it's, we're so... And by the way, that's something... In, uh, if you, I don't know if you want to try and explain zhuzhing, which is because, sure. yeah, because it's like messiness is our, it's Poor our day. bread and butter, yeah. yeah. I mean, and so there are times, even with a good scene, that it just gets very, hi, how are you? Yeah. I'm fine, you, and, and, and you people know. people don't talk like that. Yeah. You know, the way I just No, we're talking you. over each other we're like this. Other. This is how we talk, and that's what Veep right. is. We'll bury stuff, but, and, you know, and. You, we're alert for it, but Julia's very alert for it to go, like, we got to mess this up, mm -hmm. or she always calls it zhuzhing. zhuzhing it. And it's yeah. that, like, let's not, 
worry about every exact line, but let's try and talk the way people do. And you can apply that concept not only to the dialogue, but to action, entrances and exits. Everything isn't mm -hmm. perfect. Everything isn't smooth. And I would also say you could apply it to the, I think, what we do uh, on occasion, which is drama and comedy mashup. Um, I was, when you asked about what was a particularly hard scene to do, I, it wasn't that it would, uh, there was a scene, was it last, the mother episode? Was yeah, that last year, year, yeah. And so there was a scene in which Selena is waiting for some political news and her mother's dying and they're in the hospital room and they're going to pull the so-called plug and at the same time news is coming in about her p political future. Uh, tonally, that was tricky because you needed to seem real and you needed to seem funny and you needed to, it to seem dramatic and so all at the same time and it was that was I felt that that personally for me that was like oh my god how are we going to thread this <laughs> but, uh, by the way, that danger was also exciting. I mean, dare I say? Oh, yes, for I mean, sure. obviously my first season, but in season five, to be able to throw some curveballs at these guys, yeah. that was exciting for me, that it wasn't just, I guess for, from my perspective, it wasn't just coming into the show and just trying not to crash the ship, but actually to try and steer it somewhere. Yes, yeah. which you certainly did. And believe me, I'm not complaining, but the show is a... Um, incredibly thrilling show to make. It's the, the most satisfying job I've had in my entire life, and it's also incredibly difficult all at the same yeah. time. It's really a... And every time we think we're getting better at it, we, 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 we just have a something. scene that, like, beats us... Yeah, exactly. Beats the crap out of us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we're limping out of the stage. But it's well worth it. We love it. So, David, uh, you, episode nine, which we showed, which really resolves the story. Like, what was the decision to make it a student film documentary? Because it was a totally new style, shooting style. And it was something that, I guess, you know, as you're sort of planning these things out, we started the season with this idea of that Catherine was making this movie. It's, it's in the, you guys watched the first episode also, right? Yep. So it's right in there. And we just thought that was a very funny thing for Catherine. And I will say that, you know, when I, when I came in, um, other than three holdover British writers, it was a pretty much a new staff. All fans, such as myself, and so it was sort of interesting for those of us who hadn't been on the show, what we kind of came to the show with, and I think there were certain things that we all responded to, and that's why things were picked up on, like Mike having a baby. That was just something, for whatever reason, that had resonated with me, and I was interested, just as a fan, to do more of, and we did more of. Um, but Catherine's whole sort of college career and whatnot was sort of very interesting to me and obviously that relationship and then you also had in the real world you had these people like uh, uh, Alexandra Carey and Nancy Pelosi's His daughter, daughter right. making these sort of these sort of daughters of important people making documentaries and no judgment on those documentaries but their access their ability to get access it's sort of that you know, you you know the what's the it was the George Bush thing? He born on third base and thought he hit a triple. It's like, uh, <laughs> what's her name? Uh, Catherine's ability to make a documentary about President Selena Meyer is not that impressive. Actually, they live together. So anyway, so it was an idea that we sort of set out just as a funny sort of, for lack of a better word, a runner, with the knowledge that if we could pull it off, if we could do it. Wouldn't it be incredible to do this entire documentary in break format? I love breaking format. It's my absolute favorite thing. Back in the day, 
um, on Seinfeld. I, I wrote uh, with Peter Melman the backwards episode, yes, and the I just I love messing with format. It's my I've done it. It's uh, very loads fun. Of it. Yeah, it's really enjoyable. And you did yeah. such an incredible job because you had to rethink how the show was shot. We tried to All... like analyze like what how we shot it and what would be the opposite, if you will. Yeah. So that's why you're seeing a lot of uh, zoom ins and zoom outs, which we never do. Obviously, we do a lot of stable cameras, and we do a lot of pan, you know a lot of this. But there's a lot of this and that as sort of mm. how a sort of not great filmmaker might work for a video <laughs> camera. Yeah, right. um, and it was just it was just a blast. But it was sort of there were always there's always contingencies. I'm sort of nutso about that. So it was sort of like if worse comes to worse, we'll see some of the movie in that episode. Yes. Or maybe the back end of the episode is that movie, like the last like five minutes. And then let's swing for the fences and see if we can do the whole thing. And we did one draft. It wasn't perfect, but it showed that it could work. And we, had, and we sort of uh, we made a couple of changes. But the big thing was originally there was no the, – the spine didn't ex- exactly exist. It was more in order. We changed it so that you had the election – the vote running through it as opposed to just the last 10 minutes. And that, that, that that's that in. moment of the click, and you went, now we can do this thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was so fun. And it's, uh, and it's fun, you know, uh, the lines between sort of showrunner, when I'm sitting next to another director and sort of whispering in his ear what to, or her ear, to tell the actors, and I guess the chance to just tell them myself, was, is very enjoyable. And that mm-hmm. one was a lot of fun because we did musical numbers and car crashes and all the things you want to do as a director. And yeah. it was so, I mean, and cutting that too, remember yeah. the first... First cut was like, there was like a 70-minute 70, version, yeah. yeah right. And actually, I don't miss any of it, but there's, no. the, there's one cut that bothers me. Which one is it? When you send everybody, it was actually some of what we saw there, when oh, you yeah. send everybody, everybody out. out and the camera goes down, yes. I know it would have added probably about 10 seconds, but I wish we weren't, there's a jump cut when you're talking to Amy. Within that. It, when I would love to undo that jump cut. <laughs> Honey, I noticed it too, but it didn't bother me. Let it go. <laughs> Let it go. It's fine. One of my favorite moments of that episode is with you, Tony, when you're, t- you're showing how to make tea. And the question was, how do the economy? It's like, oh, just print more money. It's as interesting because yeah. you are an expert, Obviously. like with Selena knowing all the players, but you actually don't know other stuff. I don't so. know anything about politics. I don't have to. <laughs> but I know to. if someone's daughter was in rehab and she yeah. needs a conversation about <laughs> right. it. Yeah. Well, by the way, one of the things that was very funny in last season was that along with his care and desire for Selena and his sort of I will... I would add passion to Passion that, and yeah. want her to be president and all this stuff was tied very intimately into his lack of knowledge about what the tie was and how it worked. Which oh, yeah. constantly kind of came through, which was really fun. Really? Just extreme passion with no idea. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, it's interesting. Now, if you move to season six, uh, your relationship is changing because in a lot of ways, you finally have Selena more to yourself, which is your dream, is dream. But she's also lost power, which you also want her to have power because you care about her. Yeah. So how did you guys approach that for this season? Because the kind of the role flip and you're more actually closer together than normal. Um, well, you'll see. I mean, only two episodes have aired thus far, but there's a there's a bit of a trajectory, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> she doesn't uh, think much of him. She just <laughs> assumes that he's there, and that's your job, and you'll always do that. Mm-hmm. So, but in my world, she, right. she, I, I'm her first priority, and 
And I, I mean, I don't even think she knows my last name, actually. No, I, I think she does know it. <laughs> she doesn't think about it. No, she doesn't think about it right. too much. But there is an opportunity for <laughs> coming up. Uh, they, oh, see, I can't say anything. But yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> she, she spends more time in his universe, which, which is... Uh, which is fun because, yeah. of course, she then turns it into her universe. So. <laughs> but again, just going back to these, these are the things that sort of like there are there things that we get to do this year where if it were last year, she would have had the excuse of I'm the president of the United States. I know. And it's sort of the interesting thing of sort of the change in her world, right. which is she's not. So she's forced to say yes. But uh, yeah. And as a woman uh, going into this position, Selena Meyer, who only wanted the position for ego and power and she doesn't even care about the people that's taken away and she is just left she just goes from one of the most important people in the world to nothing her ego is freaking out and she's just desperately trying to find relevance mm-hmm. and it's not pretty and i think <laughs> and I, my I, I may have i've said this to you guys my dream i guess i don't know vanity fair cover for these two has always Keep been talking. has always been basically Sunset Boulevard, which is Gloria Swanson <laughs> and Max writing the fan letters at night to Madame telling her how beloved she was. So anyway. Oh amazing. Yeah. Uh, total physics. So you've had That's in for or- your film students, yeah. <laughs> Already in the season which we've seen, you've had you two've had some really great physical comedy moments. You got to beat up her ex husband. In yeah. the limo. And, yeah. and then you had the whole thing with the railing, when you guys were thinking on the railing. How is it sometimes just playing those kind of physical things? Cause especially Gary, because he gets to explode when he beats up the ex-husband. Yeah, th- I mean, one thing about that that I just... Because like when you were saying about you love to switch up format, this is where my joy comes in, is when we're on set and we have a fantastic script, and then we can find the physicality in the space. And we can, find, we can keep adding to that broth, you know, as, as he was saying. And it's like when we were in there... We, had, we knew that because there was a scene where she has to get over the banister and she's in a very, she's in a very tight dress, which is a Victoria Beckham because Gary knows these things. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> she's, uh, she's trying to get over the banister and just finding, like, okay, how to do this, how to, how to make this work. And it just becomes, I don't know, it's just back to, it just feels like back to the Carol Burnett show where you're just like, how can we make this the funniest it can be? It's find, so fun to and think finding of, that yeah. physical. Like, you as drop much your purse, as I I'll love catch that. You guys with her dress in that painting scene where she keeps stopping and then marching down to the other side of the room and you guys keep getting tangled. It's smaller, but it's also in there so much that I I love that. Yeah, Yeah. like the payoff at the end. Yeah, Yeah. and then the stepping on it at the very end. Like you'll get something and you'll go, oh yeah, we'll have some fun with this. Yeah, we know. know. It's like finding that kind of stuff. And like one of my favorite bits, I don't even know what season it was, but you don't even see Gary. And she just drops her purse, oh, yeah. and he just comes in like a hawk <laughs> and just catches it. Season two. And that's just, oh, I love that We're show. still in the executive offices. Yeah. Uh, so you talked a little about, so you're scattering the characters now, uh, and Dan is on TV. Was there anything you just wanted to jump into, a little poking, uh, examining network television or media I mean, I, coverage? It was, we definitely, I mean, for all the obvious reasons, you know, we, we, it's, it all started with the joke of... Uh, CBS and CVS, and it came out of last year, which was this idea that Dan was interested in the media and was trying to sort of find himself having, you know, failed as a lobbyist, having failed as a campaign manager. So some of this was sort of just thinking, you know, again, some of this goes back to, for me, when I was joining the show, of where I thought these characters could go. Um, And so we sort of started that with this idea that, and obviously it jumps out at you, that George Stephanopoulos as sort of the, 
you know, very handsome Clinton campaign sort of mm. manager who then moved into, what is it, the ABC morning show. So obviously there's that. But it also seemed like it'd be very interesting that the morning show, the morning show wars, the morning show politics was just really ripe and certainly, number one, connected to politics, but also number two, that we always in our show have reporters and media. And so what if one of our guys is now the person who can be on the screen you know, giving whatever election results or whatever. So there were just a, a whole bunch of reasons. But yeah, I mean, very influenced, as you'll see, by like a lot of the Today Show nonsense and the ratings and all that. kind. It just seemed like a very rich area. Yeah. Uh, one of the things my students were most curious about for you, Julia, was your relationship with Amy. Because, mm. like, really, uh, I mean, I would, that, your personal relationship and Amy really, I would argue, the strongest on the show. Uh, and she does challenge you. Yeah. That one. So how did that evolve with, uh, over the years with her? How did you see the evolution of you and Amy in working with, of course, Anna? Well, the, Anna is delightful, but Selena does not like Amy. Um, and Selena's not a fan of women. <laughs> um, and which is a very uh, fun unique. area. Yeah, right? Very unique it's in a unique woman. Yeah. yeah, she's sort of a maybe even a self-hating woman. But I think more it's just projected out there. Um, and uh, so that's fun to play with. She beats up Amy a lot, and yet she depends on Amy. Mm. So it's a lovely. Um, that's a good dance. And Amy is very driven and sort of Selena. Uh, you could even possibly make an argument, maybe she's not quite as narcissistic, but there is a part of her that could become a a politician. Mm -hmm. She's very uh, uh, driven, and she does have a kind of narcissist, or I should say she's, she's got a real laser focus. There's nothing else in her life except politics and uh, and has been Selena Meyer for so many years. Um, that changes a little bit this year, but, but ultimately not. It was a great in the episode we watched how you use candy with an I to get to Amy with a Y while yeah. back on your team. Yeah. That was actually one of my favorite moments. Yeah. Uh, so, Tony, what are you, uh, you obviously work most of your scenes with Julia, but how is it sometimes when you branch out with the other characters? Like, for example, when you exploded on everybody mm-hmm. in the, the finale uh, with the great iPhone photos when they're all shooting it. Yeah. But is that something fun? You, do you approach it slightly different because you're doing outside the Selena world? Uh, for those of you who might not have seen the scene, there's a scene where it's at the end of uh, season five, right? Yep. Where <laughs> Six. Yeah. Six. Five. Yeah, five. five. And um, she does not become president, and Gary, uh, she leaves the room, and Gary just, my character just goes off on everybody, everybody, everybody in her team. And what I had so much joy about, so loved that so much, because my character doesn't know, know anything about policy, doesn't, <laughs> can never speak up. He's, he's described as a mime in this season. <laughs> And so he can just kind of not speak, but he also has, he has a lot of nonverbal, and sometimes I, my nonverbal is so loud, even though she, anyways. But that one time that I was able to lash out on her team, because the fact, she, to me, I don't understand why the country hasn't just handed her the presidency, because she's the obvious choice. And none of them did their job. None of them saw this jewel that was in their hand, right in front of them. And I could just absolutely let them have it. And that was, it's not an opportunity Gary gets a lot. There's one time in this, there's a couple times in this season where he got it. One time just aired with Andrew because he despises her <laughs> ex-husband. <laughs> and having those little kind of dashes, of, that's really a gift. I love cathartic. that. It is cathartic. Because yeah. it's hard to hold it in, man. Because you just, you just, she's the queen and they're not recognizing it. 
<laughs> and David, it must have been fun from the writer's room standpoint, just also the reactions of all the characters. Because everybody had so much to do in that scene. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, I mean, it's very fun, but also it all, you know, when it's working, it's all because it's coming from these characters, you know, that were, you know, both created by Armando, but by the actors before I ever got there. And it's sort of like, it, you know, it would, it, it, it just was, it made such perfect sense that Gary would lash out both at Andrew, but also at, uh, at, uh, at every, at the team for failing her. Mm. That, like, he would almost speak for her, that her inability at that moment to yell at them because the loss was so devastating that he would sort of do it for her. Mm. I mean, it, it just, it, it Cause like... Because, by the way, it, I, Gary n- never has failed. I mean, in my eyes, it's like, I give 150% Every single day, and I just see these morons give like fifty. Yeah. yeah, and you could argue he's the one that only truly loves her. Yeah, yeah. and she called him once a middle-aged man who only sanitizes her tweezers. Well, anyway, which <laughs> no, but was a rough you could day argue for Gary. a lot went wrong in the sort of Selena Meyer for president campaign. But one of the things that didn't go wrong was the tea was always there. Yeah. I mean, he did his job. Yeah, it was. You know. <laughs> But to speak to the writing of that scene, too, what was wonderful is that it's incredibly heartfelt. This is, you talk about the drama and the comedy. He, it's a very dramatic scene. He had to play it so real. You, you know, practically brought yourself to tears, letting everybody have it. And at the same time, all of our characters are trying to videotape <laughs> yeah. his, uh, his, uh, his tantrum. And so it completely undermined the yeah. drama. And you're it. trying to, you're, the, the, the emotion is real, yes. but you're trying to write the scene mm. so that he also sounds like an idiot. Like that mm. what he's yelling is stupid <laughs> and, you know, and those two things are kind of colliding into each other. But if it gets too stupid, ruins the scene. Mm. And if it's not stupid too. enough, well, then, we're, then we're doing a soap opera. Or and, if it's too yeah. dramatic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we have time. Uh, we're going to ask one non-V question of you each. So we'll start with you, Tony. Mm. Uh, I mean, you do the rest of development, which mm-hmm. started on network, jumped to Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the, some of the differences, like, in the formats? A little more freedom? And are you asking David to let you do Eliza Minnelli on V? Bring Eliza Minnelli on V. <laughs> oh, my God. Anytime. <laughs> Carte blanche on that. Oh, I love me some Eliza. Um, <laughs> Uh, the differences, uh, both, you know, casts that I have huge respect for, their skills. The, um, I don't, it's hard to say, like, but I will probably say. probably you prefer I one prefer cast over Yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, let's be honest Come on, here. let's go. Between us friends. Um, I, uh, it's, it, it is very different because there was something about Arrested, not the, the, both writers work so hard. There was something about Arrested that you never... With here, there's a freedom of uh, a give and take where they, they write so hard, they give us these beautiful scripts, but it's like if something doesn't sound right, we can kind of mush it up and get it real. And all this kind of stuff. With Arrested, he had... The jokes were such foreshadowing sometimes, and there was like this massive grid of like, okay, there needs to be a hand chair in your room because your hand's going to be bitten off by a seal. <laughs> you know, and it's like... And if I had just been like up with the hand <laughs> you know and I didn't know my hand was coming off mm. you know it's like but every he just had this master kind of grid and no one really wanted to leave the page not out of fear but it was just kind of like and and it was just different like we never had rehearsals we never really you know it was just whereas this it was just kind of like a more kind of finding that locking as you're talking about well that's all going to change when I take over Arrested Development (laughs) (laughs) so David I have to ask about my favorite Seinfeld episode Bizarro Jerry where did that episode come from mixing comic books with man hands Um, 
Well, it's a combination of basically, yes, comic books and manhands, which is uh, I'm a, I, uh, a long time sort of a Superman reader and collector of far too many things you just to got a uh, great talk chair. about. You want to talk about the chair? <laughs> I don't want to talk. About, <laughs> I have talked about the, the, the chair far too much. But uh, uh, just a huge old fan of uh, 60s Superman stuff, which Jerry certainly was also. And so, it, again, it, it came very naturally out of knowing that Jerry was a fan of Superman, mm -hmm. the idea of bizarro Superman, who was this opposite character. So that was sort of the lead-in to that. And it was also based sort of on the idea of, I guess, a lot of like what people always sort of talked about the show. And, again, it was a show I joined... Uh, six seasons in that I was a fan of, so it was stuff I'd been thinking a lot about, of sort of like the notion of friendship. So the idea that there would be a guy, sort of Jerry's opposite, that Elaine could actually have a friendship with who would actually drive her to the doll museum, or I can't remember what some I of those jokes either, but were. But yeah, but anyway, just the idea that he was her op the opposite because he was dependable and nice and kind and all of these <laughs> things that Jerry wasn't. And then, obviously, because it was Seinfeld, we were able to sort of run with that idea. And then uh, Manhands um, is based on... <laughs> Farm hands, which my wife grew up on a farm in Maine, has just very, they're not big, they're not, we, we obviously, you take, everything that was really great on Seinfeld was usually something real, a real, a real kernel that you make crazier. My wife has very normal size hands, but they are very sort of rough because she has worked, whereas mine are the hands of no one who, of someone who has never done an honest day of labor. They're, they're like baby's hands, very smooth, but she's dug things and chopped things and whatnot. So farm hands became man hands, um, and I wrote it when we were not together, but we ended up together, so it all worked out for the better, um, but that's where that came from. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> and she'll be so excited I told that story again. Yeah. I actually didn't even know that. That's cool. <laughs> Julia, uh, you resurrected one of my favorite Seinfeld moments recently. Your son was in a college basketball tournament at Northwestern. Yeah. First time in school history, you're all mamata. Yeah. And you, you, uh, you tweeted the Elaine dance. I did. I thought that it was the appropriate... Uh... <laughs> yeah. I said, we're going to the dance, boys. And I put a video... Could you imagine, just so you can tell by the audience's reaction, did you ever imagine when you did that episode that that would be such a thing? And yeah. you know, the reaction you would get from that. I did that. not. I really did not. I, uh, I, I tried to make do something as... I remember very vividly uh, the night before rehearsal or the table read, and my mom was staying at our house... And I read the script, and I came downstairs because I'd been trying to look at myself in the mirror and do something really bad looking. And I came downstairs, and I had like three different moves. And I asked my mom, "Which is the worst?" <laughs> <laughs> and she voted for that one. And and so it became uh, that horrible, horrible, horrible dance. Yeah. Okay. We well, we always ask our same question at the end of our show. Uh oh. Uh, yeah. So it's a. All right. So. Uh, can you maybe tell us about a movie theater experience you had as a child, a movie that inspired you going with your family, something that really stuck with you, you know, as an inspiration? Oh, somebody else go first. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you'll know. You'll know that right um, now. Uh, I'm trying to think of one that would be good. I, I guess for me, probably, uh, and uh, it's probably defined some of my collecting too and whatnot. But uh, I can remember uh, in New York City, down in Times Square, going to see. Uh, uh, Star Wars for the first time with my father, and we sat through it twice in a row. And uh, oh, your dad loved it too. Oh yeah, and 
He also, at the time, which I think was probably only about $5, thought movie tickets were very expensive, and if it was good, you might as well see it twice. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, sat through it twice. And, uh, and then the other thing for me was uh, there was a small little, uh, not to give a second answer, but there was a small little uh, revival theater on the Upper West Side, uh, kind of near where Tower Records eventually was, which, of course, doesn't exist anymore. Anyway, um, and they used to run uh, Hitchcock uh, like festivals, you know, where they do like two a day kind of a thing. And uh, I remember my mom taking me to see, uh, to see Vertigo. So, mm. yeah. We actually just showed that here in January mm. on oh, film wow. and Birds with Tippi Hedren. We did oh, a Hitchcock oh, series, so, so that was fantastic. I bet. Uh, so what about Tony, Julia? What do you something? Um, you can go ahead. No, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Goonies. Ah. <laughs> because uh, I was trying, mine was mainly television with like the Carol Burnett mm. show and the Bob Newhart show. But with movies, there was something about Goonies, and I think it's. I was thinking about this, like what it was. But the, <laughs> Julia's like, sorry. Um, <laughs> there was something about the lead. It was the lead character. I forgot his name. Sean oh. asked. He had <laughs> asthma. Yep. Mm. And he always carried around his inhaler, and I was an asthmatic kid. What was his name, Mikey? Anyone? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I was an asthmatic kid, and, I, and there was just something about, there was like a, I don't know, I was just always kind of a quirky kid. I was raised in the South who didn't do sports, and I found theater and stuff. And just seeing like a lead kid in this like crazy adventure, mm. and all this crazy, like just going down the slide into the pirate ship, and just like, and he has asthma. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, I just always resonated. And like they played the bone piano and it opened the thing and it was just like, this can happen! <laughs> um, so that, for some, I think that inspired me. Um, I guess for me, maybe, I mean, it's hard to, to distill it down to one or two, but um, I, I loved Funny Girl when I was little mm-hmm. and uh, I thought it was funny and I thought Barbara Streisand was exotic and it was cool what she was doing. Nobody would seem to be doing that. She wasn't typically beautiful and she was not afraid to make a fool of herself and I, that was my impression and it was also very dramatic and I loved her voice and stuff like that. And then I would also add um, The Wizard of Oz to this day is one of my absolute favorite films because it's hilarious, it's heartbreaking, and it's an ensemble of actors who are singing. As, and I don't mean literally singing. I mean they're singing in terms of their performance as a group, mm-hmm. and that really speaks to me. Um, uh, so those, those are my two answers. And to add to that, what I so appreciate to say about Julia, what I so appreciate is she came into the show knowing the power of an ensemble. Many times, the number one in the call sheet, you never, and she's the star of the show, number one, you never know what you're going to get because they set the tone. And if it's a person who kind of wants all the attention, wants all the comedy, everybody's kind of walking on eggshells. Julia came in with, obviously, Seinfeld and Christine and all this kind of stuff, knowing the power of an ensemble. And just, it became such a team back and forth and thro- everybody throwing in ideas and it was just a real gift to the whole cast. Did you guys do Wizard of Oz as a Rolling Stone cover or yes. talk about it? You did do it. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm not yeah. losing my mind. Okay. We did. Couldn't remember if it was talked about or done. Yeah, yes. we did okay. do it. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. It was a cover, yeah. Okay. Hmm. Well, uh, speaking of ensembles, I, I do want to give a shout out to the Pollock student staff and interns. Yes. They're the ones they wrote, job. produced, direct. They're actually in the booth right now directing the show. Uh, they, uh, they had the daunting task of calming me down when I rewrote the Q&A about 400 times. Oh, uh, so I appreciate that. And we really have, uh, we want to thank HBO and you guys for coming and sharing sure. your thank insights you. with all of us. Enjoyable. Thank you for thank having us and thank, thank you for your fine thank questions. Yes. 
You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.